What's happening, everybody? I want to welcome you. If this is your first time, I want to welcome you to Life Church Global. This is a phenomenal community of believers that believe the Word of God, apply the Word of God in their life, and live out the Word of God in their life. This is a powerful community. You know, Life Church Global is not a television ministry. Uh, but because of the season that we're in, uh, where we can't gather physically at the moment in honor of the government's um, requests, we have to meet in, in spirit, digitally in spirit and in truth. That's what it is right now. So we're not a television ministry, but we have a, a large group of people, a community of people who believe the word. We, we have a group of people who we serve uh, in this city, in this nation and um, who are actively involved in each other's lives in, in taking the, the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, and uh, testifying of it, being witnesses wherever they go. And really, we love this community. We love this season that we're in. You know, I, I believe that this season is a gift to the believer. You know, we might think like, oh, you know, we're not missing out on gathering together, you know, as a, as a church. But I'll tell you something that if you would only change your perspective about the season, you will start reaping a harvest from this season. And the perspective is that the season is not a difficult one, but it's actually a blessing in disguise. And you, if you were to only place a higher value on your relationship with God, like your personal relationship with God, without supervision, without a need for accountability, you will realize that this season is a gift because nobody's watching you. Nobody's running after you. Nobody's trying to, you know, do, hey, come to church, come to church. We don't have that stuff happening right now, but you've got to take the initiative to, with your walk with God, you've got to take the initiative to read the scriptures yourself. You've got to take the initiative to have this, these experiences spiritual experiences uh, that this church seems people in this church seem to be having so you know wh wherever you may be today whatever your belief system whatever your spiritual dynamic may be i want to welcome you home this is a family of people who we don't have denominations we don't have segregations we're just one family that love jesus and we want to welcome you, you know, you know, and we want to bless you and thank you for joining us today for this service. And I really believe that your life will never be the same. I really believe that as you listen to the word of God today and you receive it into your life, that every place your foot shall tread, the Bible says that he will give it to you. Uh, everything that your hand touches will automatically realize you'll, you'll begin to realize that there's blessing in every area of your life. Uh, and I, I really believe that uh, you, your eyes will be opened today to see how much God is actually involved in your life. You will let go of trying, striving, and you will thrive in this season. And, uh, and so I want to bless you for joining us for the service today. So over the past few weeks, we've been on a series called The Instrument of Synthesis. And in this series, we've been studying or going deeper into understanding this God-given instrument called the will. Every single human being has a will. Uh, God has a sovereign will. And, and God doesn't, God's will never superimposes itself upon your will to a point where you feel like you are powerless but in fact, God's will is that He allows you to choose His will for your life. And, and as you begin to hear His word today, you'll understand that His will um, is full of goodness for your life. And it is a joy and a privilege to give up uh, your will. Uh, you know, Jesus says, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And He was going to the cross. None of us have to go to the cross today because Jesus did it. So today we giving up our will does not actually lead us to physical suffering, but actually leads us into spiritual blessing. And so you must understand that there's a dynamic in, in surrendering our will. In fact, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you start believing, that day, that very moment, your will actually dies. Your, your, your will. So in essence, what I'm saying is if your will is dead, 
and you now are a Christian, you're a believer in the in Jesus Christ and you you have come into the knowledge of God's will, choosing to live outside of the will of God causes you to be in rebellion with God. When you choose to have your way, when you choose to have your will and not God's will, you're in direct rebellion with God. So the, so the natural will that is apart from the will of God is naturally rebellious. It wants its own way. And if you, if you lose track of the will of God, I'm talking about every single day now. If you lose track of the will of God, you will naturally experience an inferior life. You will begin to experience, you know, Jesus says, all who came before me were thieves and robbers. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. What is he trying to say? He's, he's trying to say to you that every other word that came before the word of God was a thief and a robber. So the will that is made up, the will that is, the natural will that is made up, which is naturally in a fallen state, is actually a thief and a robber. And it's come to, and it presents to you that is very attractive. The life that you have is very attractive. The new selfish desire, selfish motivation, all these things lead to self-gratification. And it leads you now to eventually steal from you and kill from you and destroy you. This is the natural will, ladies and gentlemen. But Jesus says, I have come so that you may experience life and life in all its abundance. See, today I want to talk to you, church, about a subject called divine catalyst. That you and I, as the new creation in Christ Jesus, are divine catalysts in the world. So the catalyst is, a, in, in, in science, catalyst is a substance that increases the rate of a chemical reaction without itself undergoing permanent chemical change. That's what the definition of a catalyst is. So a catalyst is someone who increases the rate of transformation in the world without himself or herself being transformed into the world. That's what, that's what a catalyst is. A catalyst is somebody who enters into an atmosphere and has dominion over that atmosphere rather than that atmosphere having dominion over them. And especially if you're a divine catalyst, you can be a catalyst and that's a normal human being that has his own ego will, her own ego will. And you can be a catalyst, you can walk into the room and you are the light in the room. You're, you're like the, you're like, if, as soon as you walk in, the lights come on, the music starts playing, everything happens. But when you leave, all those people are remaining the same. In fact, they go back, some, some of them don't even like you. And they wait for you to leave the room and then now they, they start talking behind your back. See, that's not a catalyst, that's an influencer. But when you're a divine catalyst, a new creation, when you walk into the room, the change, the transformation is permanent. That's a divine catalyst. And see, a catalyst is someone who does not take too long for transformation to take place. You walk into a room and you, in, you, in, you increase the speed of their transformation without actually doing anything. See, Jesus... And in the, in the Gospel of Luke, um, he presents the kingdom of God as leaven or yeast. And he says, the kingdom of God is like a, like a woman who took, who took leaven and put it in, into three uh, cups of flour. And she began to knead this flour. Uh, uh, and when, when, it was, when it was time, this leaven leavens the lump. Basically, what the leaven does is it, 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 the yeast does, it makes the entire lump according to its nature, but it does not change itself. See, the kingdom of God, Jesus says that you are salt and light. I mean, he gives these, these awesome examples. He says, you are salt. I mean, 
when you look at salt you can't over salt food which means your desperation your need for change cannot be i want to put so much salt that it wow it's awesome no you you just need a little bit you just need enough you just need that one person in that office you don't need the whole office to be christian you just need that one person to live in the lump you need that little piece little bit of salt see what the salt do salt it bring not only just makes food taste nice but it, the reason why it makes food taste nice is because it it increases it draws out the the natural flavors in food see if you were to only believe that you are a divine catalyst your responsibility is to speed up the the quality of life that people experience your your responsibility is to increase the the value the worth of life that they experience around you you you've got to understand that you've got to first live it first as a catalyst you can't bring change into a environment that you are not experiencing yourself a lot of christians want change in the world but they themselves don't change it's getting quiet in the spirit i can feel it a lot of christians i want my husband to change i want my wife to change but they themselves don't change but if you only understand that the new creation is a divine catalyst it means that when i start focusing on me in the sense that i want to be i want to express i want to come into the fullness of the image and likeness of christ when i start focusing on my relationship with god when i start focusing on not my will but your will be done not only just in my marriage but also in my life the way i communicate the way i talk to people the way i uh, the, the way i am around people the way i do my business the way i uh, I, i am with my family the way i eat the way what kind of food i eat all those things when i start focusing on those things and i don't allow anything of the world to overwhelm me and i am in full control and everything is in submission in my life for the glory of god by the grace of god now i don't even need to pray for my husband or my wife there is immediate transformation only because you and i are divine catalysts see a divine catalyst has a very high spiritual quotient i'm going to get into some psychology stuff now a spiritual quotient is 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 a sum of divine intelligence and emotional intelligence spiritual quotient the spiritual intelligence when you are called a new creation a new creation is is a extremely high spiritually quotient individual which means your intelligence level does not come from natural knowledge it comes from divine wisdom And when you start embracing the will of God, see the will of God is divine intelligence. And the fruit of the spirit or or the emotions of God is divine emotions. And you and I ladies and gentlemen, as new creation, the who your sons, you know, we have a very high spiritual quotient. The sum quality of everything that we do in the realm of the spirit is actually almost or should be almost equal to what god does i just want to submit this to you this is a to 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 a, a normal ego will this is what are you talking about are you saying that we are equal to god i'm not saying that we are equal to god but what i'm saying is god became a human being and died for us so that a human being can become godlike a human being who was naturally dying is transformed into a divine being and i'm i'm communicating to you as a divine being i'm talking to you because you are a divine being whether you believe it or not you are a divine being you're a divine catalyst and as a catalyst your spiritual quotient your spiritual intelligence is extremely high ladies and gentlemen But see the but we go by certificates we go by human knowledge we go by what people 
tell us and define us and and let, when you understand that their compliments their criticism and their qualification is limited in nature it creates a sort of a barrier around you that limits you from being godlike on the earth when a person gives you a compliment on the earth when it is based out of the will of man you must understand it comes with a limitation because it comes with a limitation according to the knowledge of the natural wow according to the natural you are the best that's why you deserve a gold medal because there's nobody else like you but what about everybody else who's made in the same image and likeness of god so we create a segregation and we reward the strongest and we give medals to the ones who are the best but see god doesn't go to the best God goes to the weakest. God goes to the one who is unqualified. God goes to the one who has no money. God goes to a nobody and makes them a somebody. See that somebody is a divine catalyst. You're a divine catalyst. You're a person who walks into the room and you without even having an intention you just talk to a person and you can set them on a path you can set their path on fire you can set them set their life on fire in such a way that it causes them to become like you but you've got to be there first you've got to experience that progress so to say and that progress comes when you let go of the natural will you let go of the natural qualifications you let go of the compliments you let go of these inferior things that really satisfy us momentarily or gratify us momentarily and we look to the will of god as the standard for our life see ladies and gentlemen when we think we have a choice to choose the will of god that means the natural will is still choosing the will of god which means the will of god is still plan b it is still an option but if you and i as the new creation come into this place of understanding that the will your will doesn't exist how would you live your life how would you function on the earth how would you make daily decisions unless you understand that god divine intelligence permeates every single thing of creation you must understand that he is in everything he is in everyone and it is when we come in when we come into full submission to his divine will that is the only moment where we actually start living we actually start existing according to our purpose some find it when they're 60 years old some find it when they're 10 years old some find it when they're 20 years old but whenever you do find it it's not too late because god is the one who calls you at a particular time in a particular season so that you in that season in that place wherever you are you can be a divine catalyst for the kingdom of god this is powerful church you must understand that when you are saying i'm choosing the will of god for my life it means that your will still exists <laughs> there is no plan b see sometimes good christians are also in this place where they say hey i'm living according to the will of god but does your will exist as plan b if your will exists as plan b it means that god's will probably might fail that's why i need to have a safety plan we do that with our saving just in case there's a rainy day just in case god doesn't come through i've got a backup see that backup is the natural will ladies and gentlemen in the kingdom of god there is no safety net there is no plan b there is only plan jesus yeah. There is only the will of God ladies and gentlemen 
It is only the will of God that exists. And the day you realize that you are living and existing because of the will of God, and the, and the faster you come out of the natural will, you will realize what an inferior life you've been living. Even as a Christian, you've been still living an inferior life. And now you've, you'll step into the bliss that God experiences Himself. In, in the book of Romans, chapter 8, I want you to go to Romans chapter 8. This is something that is so phenomenal. Romans chapter 8, verse 19. We've, we've taught on this subject so many times. This is about the revealing of the sons of God, but I just want to read 19 and 20 to you. It says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, which is the divine catalyst, the new creation. All of creation is waiting for the revelation or the revealing of you and me, okay? The new creation. For creation, now listen to this very carefully. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Wow, that's quite surprising. You must understand what he's trying to say here. He's trying to say that it was God himself who subjected all of creation in futility. And because he subjected it in futility, he subjected it in hope that someday you and I will step into the fullness of the freedom of the new creation. The fullness and the day you begin to start living according to the will of God without a safety net, as long as it takes, whatever it takes, that's when everything around you now begins to experience the freedom that you're experiencing. So which means the state of your situation around you is the manifestation of the state of your heart. If you were to look at your life, look at your marriage, business, children, all that kind of stuff, look at how, your relationship with God. Are you still guilty? Are you still asking for forgiveness? Are you still, do you fear God is angry with you? Ah, God is angry with you. And do you, are you, do you start your prayers saying, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sin, God. Sins that I remember, sins I don't remember. You're, it's like, it's just a non-stop prayer. Are you still believing that God is angry with you? Are you still believing that God is upset? God is, God is wanting you, you're going to face the consequences of God's wrath. Are you still in that place? Or have you stepped into the place of experiencing God's goodness? Because the moment you step into the perfect will of God for your life. You start noticing, I don't know, I'm just focusing on my own relationship with God and I've noticed my mom and dad have changed. I was just focusing on my relationship with God and somehow business seems to be coming to me. I was just focusing on my relationship with God and my marriage is in a great place. There's a restoration. There's restoration. Every single place where you look now, you seem to be experiencing the freedom that you already experience on the inside. See, that's what I'm trying to submit to you right now. The focus of the cross was you. But the impact of the cross on your life is for all of creation. Everything around you begins to sort of experience life and freedom, but according to the measure that you experience. So the, the more you focus on your relationship with God, the more you focus on coming out of offense, coming out of bitterness, coming out of sin, coming out of the, the ego will, the mindset of the will, uh, the killing, killing, destroying. You come out of that mindset, 
all of a sudden you realize everything around you is blessed. Everything around you is experiencing the freedom that you are experiencing on the inside. Why is that? It's because you're a catalyst without even trying. You're a catalyst. You're a divine catalyst. The more you focus on your divinity, all of creation experiences your divinity in them. See, you must understand God's intelligence, God's divine intelligence was in his, in his word. It's in His will. And when God created all things, it was created through the word. So His divine intelligence is in everything. But He took all of creation and He subjected it into futility or bondage and He was waiting in hope that you and I would one day come to the realization of what Christ has done for us and we'll step into it and experience this freedom. My goodness, there's so much of freedom in Christ. And when your mind starts getting renewed and your life starts getting transformed, now these guys, all of creation, your dogs, your cats, the economy, the, the uh, finances, Bitcoin, this coin, that coin, all of that stuff begins to start prospering all according to your prosperity in the spirit. This is a very, very powerful and a personal revelation. You must understand, this is not something that we look at people and say, oh, wow, you know, wow, man, shucks, what a guy. No, you've got to look at yourself and you've got to see the reflection of who you are in everything around you. And you've got to grade yourself and you've got to say, now nah, I need to die a little bit more. That part of my life has to die because I'm seeing the impact of it here. You, you're, not, you're not going, okay, that is because of that person's fault and the economy and the job losses because of this person's fault and that boss and there was politics here and all that. No. Ladies and gentlemen, stop blaming everything else around you. Stop blaming people around you. Take responsibility for your own walk with God. Because everything else around you depends on you. It depends on how you steward your relationship with God. I mean, Rabin's testimony is just, when I was sitting and listening to Kelsey share that testimony, I was thinking, this is so prophetic with what God wants to say to the church today. You must understand that God is trying to teach us something today. We're divine catalysts. But you can't bring transformation. You can't speed up or increase transformation in your business, in your marriage, in your kids, in the economy without you changing first. Man, take you take responsibility for yourself. And when you start doing that, I'm telling you, everything else will change. If you want your husband to change, you change first. If you want your wife to change, you change first. When I say change, don't become a good person, become a God person. Become a God person. Become transformed into the image and likeness of God. And so now Paul's saying, hey, listen, all of creation was subjected in futility because God had hope that you and I one day would be the ones who allow our divinity to begin to manifest so that all of creation can recognize the freedom givers that we are. Our responsibility is to give freedom without saying, I'm here to give you freedom. No, I'm changing, I'm becoming free. And because I'm free now, you begin to experience that freedom that completely removes the performance mindset over people's lives. I want to start a ministry. I want to do this because I've seen one person get healed or two people get healed. I, I want to start a church and I want to be a pastor. No, ladies and gentlemen, stop all that stuff. Don't do that. You can if the Lord leads you to. But not because of a success of a miracle. You must understand that miracle is a natural occurrence because of what has happened in you. So you don't base a ministry based on something that's happened externally, but you actually say, okay, my ministry primarily is to minister to the Lord. My ministry is to minister. I'm a priest unto God first before I'm, a, before I'm a servant to people. See, that's the mindset. The mindset of church ministry or any form of ministry is that you're a servant to people. You pick up the towel and you wash the people's feet. That is what ministry is all about. It's not about a name. It's not about a person. 
but it is about you being transformed into the image and likeness of God and that transcendent nature of God begins to move across people and change people's lives. Right now, as I'm talking to you, people are getting healed wherever you are. Only because I'm experiencing health in my body right now. You are beginning to experience perfect health wherever you are. In fact, you're beginning to lose weight wherever you are. Right now, if you want to jump up, you can jump up and down and I'm seeing people losing weight wherever you are. Come on now. It's amazing. Complete healing in your body right now. But every single time, self exists. I exist. Ego Baba exists. <laughs> That's when you're in direct rebellion to God. That's quite scary. It is quite scary to be in rebellion as a child of God, as a new creation, to be in rebellion with God. It's very scary. See, the, the most powerful aspect of you and I, the most powerful aspect is our mystical or divine union or oneness with God. That's the most powerful aspect of our lives. It's not what we do, it's who we are. And it, when I'm talking about, the, about being one with God, I'm not talking about our performance that makes us experience oneness with God. I'm talking about your revelation that God and you are one now. There is no separation. There is no division. There is nothing now that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. There is no angel. There's no demon. There's no mountain, no valley, no sea, no sin, absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you and God, God's spirit and your spirit have been infused together. Your DNA, ladies and gentlemen, is the divine nature of Abba flowing through you. But that is the source of the river of life from you. It flows in you, quenches your thirst first, and then quenches everybody else around you. But it, it, you must understand that that oneness with God is not only on Friday or Sunday. It's every second of the day. You must understand, when you go to sleep, God is in you, sleeping in you. When you have a shower, He's having a shower with you, in you. That body that you think you have is His. I love Blanche's testimony. It's not my leg. This is Jesus' leg. See, that's the revelation. You're not, you're not trying to pray, God, please heal my leg. No, no. Lord, this is your leg. Do you like your leg hurting? That's the revelation. You've got to come into that place, God. You don't have money, God, to pay the bill. Try talking to God like that and telling Him, God, you don't have money to pay your bill. <laughs> but we go to God and say, God, we don't have money to pay the bill. God, I lost the job. See, you'll say I lost the job because ego still exists. Come on, man. But when you understand that you are, there's no separation. What you go through, God goes through at the same time. This is the mystical union or the oneness with God. You have become one with His will. There's no other will. But you can choose to live in rebellion or disobedience when you choose your will over the will of God. And you think that your will is the will of God. That's another level of deception altogether. Because God's will is revealed in not just long time 
solutions. Being a catalyst means the results are immediate. The faster you die to your flesh, the quicker you'll begin to experience divinity in your life. And everything else around you will experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Your kids are now super obedient. They just love you. They just want to do all the dishes. They want to do the cleaning of the house. Suddenly, testimony and life is global. I don't know what happened. My kids have become angels. They want to stay at home. They're not playing video games and watching TV. They're having conversations with us. I don't know what's happened. I know what's happened. Yeah, the change in you. You decided to change. You decided to let that will go, that die, die to the flesh. And that's what's really happened during the ethereal life fast, you know. We saw so many people die to the flesh. Some were struggling, but some were thriving, man. And I tell you, the ones who struggled, there's such a grace on them. There's such a grace. I saw such a grace on them to overcome. First day was awesome. Second day, hard. Third day, hard. Fourth day, Ah, I suddenly broke through, Pastor. Something happened. What happened? You died. And you came to life. <laughs> That's what happened. Suddenly the 5 a.m. prayer was not difficult. You woke up now without the alarm ringing. Why did you wake up? Who woke you up? God did. Why? Because he needs to pray. Come on, man. He needs to open up the gates, open up the heavens. This is what's happening, church. This is how powerful our life is. We're not just ordinary people. Don't consider, you minute you consider yourself, I'm just a normal person. I'm simple. No, you're not. You're complex. Be okay with it. Your God is just too vast to understand. He's, he's a mystery in himself. So don't try to figure yourself out. The minute you figure yourself out, your God is too small. The minute you give yourself an identity, you've limited yourself. When I say identity, I'm talking about a natural identity. I'm doctor, I'm lawyer, you know, that stuff. But our identity is we're sons. I'm a son. Being transformed every day into his image and likeness. Wow, what a privilege. What a privilege we have. My goodness, I just sometimes wake up in the morning and all I can say is, Lord, I can't. I'm so grateful. I just have no words. I can't even say, I can't believe this life that I'm living because God can't can't say I can't believe. Do you understand? God believes. God is a believer. <laughs> you must understand, we, it completely changes the way we communicate. Why? Because you can't speak negative things. God doesn't speak negative things. When Jesus walks into a room, it's a, it's a completely different room. All of heaven now is watching what Jesus does in the room. And why are we more considerate of what people think about us rather than what God is doing in the room. So I would love for you to um, open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 15. I want to take you to just a, just a story of King Saul and David and I want to show you how through their life and the choices that they made were catalysts in the nation of Israel. And so in 1 Samuel 15, I'll just share the story with you and then we'll take it from verse 22 onwards. But 1 Samuel 15, the story is that God, Israel is asking God for a king. You must understand we're talking about obedience Obedience to the word of God uh, or the will of God or the desire of God positions us to experience the grace of God in our lives and also positions us to be catalysts 
according to the purpose of God for the earth. I hope you understand that. And so Saul now was just a regular dude, uh, had fear issues even before he became a king. He was scared of people. When they wanted to anoint him as king, he was hiding in the clothes. You must understand that Samuel has called everybody, the whole nation, and they're waiting now to crown this guy as a king. And he was hiding in the tent, under the clothes, didn't want to come out. So there's already an issue, okay? So eventually he comes out and they, they, God says, okay, Samuel, Israel is asking for a king by disobeying my word. You must understand. By disobeying God, they're, they're asking God for a king. That's how God sees it. You, you must understand how he sees it. When people disobey him, we're asking God for another ruler over us. When we find governments oppressive, when we find all these things, the reason why is because we're not in perfect submission to the will of God personally in our lives. But when we're in perfect submission to the will of God for our lives, it becomes easy to honor the government no matter what their choices are. Wow, good word. And so here now we see Samuel comes and he gets anointed and he's a king. And the, and the Bible says that when he got anointed, the spirit rushed over him. This is the spirit of God rushed over him. And the Bible says that God gave him a new heart. Amazing. Very amazing. God is so kind. God is so good. He sees the, the place where you are weakest the most and he replaces it with himself. Every area that you're weak in is when you surrender it to the Lord, you're saying, God, make me like you in this area. This is very powerful. And so now Saul is king and everything is going well and all that kind of stuff. And one day God comes to Saul and says, these Amalekites have done certain things to my people, to Israel. I want you to go now to 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 Amalek and I want you to overpower them. I want you to slaughter them. I want you to kill everybody, all the cattle, the women, the children, everything, the sheep, the goats, everything. Nothing should be alive. That's the instruction from God. So Saul takes 200,000 men and he goes now and he goes and he kills everybody, but he spares the king. What was God's instruction? Kill everybody. Saul decided now to spare the king. See, disobedience to God is a sign of rebellion in the heart. Although God gave him a a heart of his own for himself, although God gave Saul a heart, his will was greater than his submission to the heart of God. We must understand that. And so now because his will imposed itself on, on his rule and reign over Israel, now he's in direct opposition to God himself. So which means Saul made himself as equal to God by disobeying God's will. And so because of that, he spares King Agag and now also takes everything that is good, that is healthy, and he kills everything that is bad, sick, and he destroys it completely. You see that you see that 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 division. He made the choice to spare these. He's like, oh, okay, that that sheep is is not is sick. Kill it, because God told me to kill it. We'll kill it. But that one you keep separate. You see, we do this every single day of our lives. We do this in every aspect. We do this in our finances. We do this between our children. We do this between our friends. We do this between our colleagues. We choose one over the other. And that is a, if you trace the root, it's actually disobedience, it's rebellion against God. You can't choose between two of your children. You've got to choose both. 
You've got to be equal to both. You've got to love both 100%. Not 50-50, 100-100. And so now we see, and he's done this and God doesn't go to Saul now. God goes to his friend Samuel. You must understand, God is talking to Saul till that moment and when he disobeys God, he doesn't hear the voice of God anymore. God withdraws himself. He withdraws his will from Saul's life and he goes and talks to his friend Samuel and he says, I regret the day I made Saul king. Wow. Strong words coming from God. I regret, which means when you, when you disobey God, God experiences it. He feels it. It's not something that God is so far away that when you don't obey His will, that He doesn't feel it. He's in a world of His own, man. But He's so personally connected to you that when you choose another will over His will, He feels it. And with Saul, he regrets the day he made Saul king. And so he goes on to say, uh, in verse 10, 15 verse 10, the word of the Lord came to Samuel, I regret that I made Saul king for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. Powerful. And so Saul now, Samuel now goes to Saul and he confronts him and Saul cooks up the story and he says, no, all the good things were kept for the Lord's sacrifice. You see, no, 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 no. It's like when you're confronted and you're exposed. No, 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 brother. This money was for God. This time was for God, you know, but uh, somehow, you know. But if nobody was there, you would have watched a movie. Oh. And so now we see that Samuel comes to him, confronts him, and he says, no, 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 this is for the sacrifices of the Lord. And Samuel gives one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most profound statements for you and I. And he says this, has the Lord, in verse 22, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Wow! Which means your obedience to God is better than your tithes and your offerings? Your obedience to the voice of God is better than the sacrifices of waking up at 5 a.m. and praying? Your fasting that you're doing? Yes. Yes. It is the ultimate to God. He takes it personally. Why? Because it's a clash of two wills. Either you are God or He is God. If you are going to be a divine catalyst, your will doesn't exist. So what does that mean? Does that mean I have to constantly ask God for what He's doing? You don't have to ask Him, He will tell you. If you have given up the rights to your will, He will speak to you. Like He spoke to Saul. Saul, I want you to do this. John, I want you to do this. Alejandro, I want you to do this. I want you to go here. I want you to give this away. I want you to do this. God, you want me to give it away? I'm going to give it away. Not even thinking twice because it is not mine. I'm just stewarding what is yours. And so now you must understand how God sees obedience. He sees it better than all the sacrifices that you can ever make. More than the, the worship that you give, the singing out, oh Lord, I lift up my hands. Lord, the fruit of my lips, are, lips I offer as a sacrifice. This is all the Psalms, we read this. And God's like, dude, first obey my word, man. Obey my word. Then come to me and do all this singing and worship leading and painting and trying to be creative and calling that worship. First come in line and be obedient to me in your own life, not just externally now, just you and God. Before you try to change the world, allow Him to change you. And so now He goes on to say, Behold, to, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination. Wow! That is massive! Disobedience to God or rebellion 
is equal to witchcraft or in other words what it means is you are desiring the, to know what is happening in the future and you are going to other gods to find out what is in your future you're going to a horoscope <laughs> to find out you're going to a soothsayer you're going to a fortune teller to tell you what your fortune is how does a fortune teller know what god has set up in store for you when that fortune teller has no idea what fortune is in his life i'm bringing some crazy perspective for life right now we look to economy magazines to tell us what is eco- economy all about when the one who decides where the wind blows you're not going to him <laughs> so you're not going to the one who makes the waves crash the same way for the since creation he's 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 the one who puts all the stars in motion he's the one who created all the angels he's the one who created every being he's the one who has been in existence even before time began and you're telling me somebody else on the earth has greater perspective over your life than God's will we've got to come we've got to understand how important it is for us to obey the word of God and so eventually now the spirit of God leaves Saul and the bible says that another spirit from God rushes over Saul What happened there? What happened there? I want to present something to you right now. Pay attention very closely. When Saul the reason why Saul disobeyed God was because he was fearful of what the people of Israel would say about him. You must understand he employed an emotion from last week's message. He employed an emotion called the fear of man and that fear of man caused him to obey the will of man rather than the will of God. And when he did that, ladies and gentlemen, the spirit of God left him and it opened a door for another spirit to come and torment him. Disobedience to God when you disobey god and you add emotion to it whether it's the fear of man whether it's the fear of your mom and dad whether it's the fear of demonic spirits whatever fear fear in general when you consider the will of man the opinion of man the opinion of demonic spirits over the will of god ladies and gentlemen you are opening a door for that spirit to begin to come and torment you You can be a Christian and be tormented by spirits only because you don't have your emotions in check. You must understand these emotions are are like perfume that is sprayed in a room and your will is the perfume bottle. And you now can decide I'm going to spray these emotions fear anger jealousy envy lust pride all these things you spread in a room and it begins to attract demonic spirits or evil spirits to you and that smell that fragrance that blood in the water ladies and gentlemen brings them to you see there was no spirit that attacked Saul until the spirit of God left him you must understand that but you can open a door in your life for demonic spirits or evil spirits to attack the other things in your life other than you as a new creation you are filled with the spirit of god you cannot be filled with another spirit again and nothing can separate you from god so the holy spirit is not leaving but you must understand your disobedience causes a atmosphere <laughs> to be released around you that begins to attract the killing stealing and destroying in every other area of your life so the choices that you make is a is a direct result of the influence and the emotion or fear or whatever's happening in your you you employ that emotion and you make a statement and you say something to someone and now immediately job loss immediately someone gets sick immediately finances are gone suddenly investments were doing really well they're gone suddenly why is that it's because you allowed fear and you opened the door 
Ladies and gentlemen, I'm showing this to you from the scripture. The moment came when Saul, Goliath now, the Palestine is fighting with Israel and Goliath now challenges the, 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 the armies of the Lord and Saul is sitting in a tent fearful. And you must understand what a catalyst does. And because he is fearful and not challenging the giant and not going ahead and now waging war with it, he's waiting for someone in Israel to stand up and fight this giant. I will give you my daughter. Can you, can you imagine? Look at the standard that he's gone to. I will give you my daughter. I will give you houses. I will give you money. I will give you everything if you can take on this giant and kill him. But he doesn't do it himself. And he's the king. That's his responsibility. And so now you, you must understand, he's sitting there and the Bible says that the nation of Israel, every single person was fearful. So the head of the house has a responsibility. When I'm talking about head, I'm not just talking about the father. I'm talking about the mother and father. You're one flesh, the head of the house. That in itself is a revelation. So when the heads of the house <laughs> are fearful, guess what's happening to the house? You are opening a door by creating this fearful atmosphere in the house for your children to get attacked. For your finances to get attacked. For your car to get attacked. Suddenly I was driving down the road past and somebody came and hit me. How? Who? Who gave them permission to touch you? You did. By employing fear. By employing an emotion and then giving it a word and energizing it. Ah, Something dangerous is going to happen. Something's going to happen. Ah, Something's going to happen. What kind of will is that? It's not the will of God. God's not going to say something. Something's going to happen to you. He says something good is going to happen to you. Come on church. You got you to understand your father. He's different the way he talks. And so now this little boy comes up on the scene and he's challenging this giant. David comes on the scene and he's challenging the, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is challenging the armies of the Lord, not of Saul? You see the, you see the heart? The heart is, who is this that is challenging God's army? It's not my army, not the king's army. This is God's army. Ah, catalyst, catalyst. Catalyst, catalyst. That's who he is. Young boy. His brother like, shoo, shoo, go, go away, man. Go away. No, but what is the reward? What, what did they say? What did they say? You know, I love people like that. I know, I know a girl like that, little girl. She's constantly, what, what did he say? Well, I love that inquisitiveness, that eagerness, that drive, that energy. She's got great things in store for her life. And so you, David now, 16-year-old boy, is now saying, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to finish this guy. Why? Because he challenged the armies of the Lord. Wow. So when somebody else puts a quote that is lower than your proposal, your response should be, who is this that tries to undercoat God's business? When you are scared that your daughter might get an a, a, a unbelieving boyfriend, your question, not to your daughter, but your question in your mind should be, who is this that can touch the anointed of the Lord? That's how you deal with situations like that. Who is this? How dare you touch God's anointed? How dare you come and try to take something that belongs to God? I am a steward of what God has. You've got to understand they're your catalyst. And so David comes now, and we know the story. He, he tries to wear the armor and the armor doesn't fit. Tries to carry the sword too heavy. He takes a sling. You see? Takes a sling. A sling. And goes into battle with these guys who's full of armor and everything like that. And he goes there with five stones. Uses one. People say, wow, you know, five is for grace and stuff. No, ladies and gentlemen, he picked five stones just in case his Goliath's brothers come. Because Goliath had brothers. 
If you read the scripture. Yeah, this boy was well equipped to take on anybody, man. If he can kill the lion and the bear, he he, he removed the sheep out of the the lamb out of the lion's mouth. You must understand. What kind of a man this is? What kind of a catalyst? And so now he goes, we know the story. He swings and he hits the guy. The the Bible says that it, the stone embeds into his into his head and he falls down flat, takes the sword, uh cuts his head off and brings the head to Saul. I don't want to imagine that scene. But for some reason all of Israel now suddenly can see victory. Suddenly something's happened. Oh my goodness. The only obstacle in our life is gone. I can see victory. You see that's what a catalyst does. One move. And now the battle is won. Not because Goliath just fell, every single Israelite suddenly realized this child is killing a giant. Why what are these people doing over there? Why are these why are we running away from these people? We'll kill all these people now and so they chase the Philistines, they kill them and they win the war and now they're coming back and now David is the man. This 16-year-old man, he's wow, he's with Saul now and it's like wow, he's in the cool club uh, and he's walking, he's on the chariot, I can imagine that and he's got Goliath's head and Goliath's sword and all that kind of stuff and they're going like wow, man, there's a party happening in the in the town and now they start singing a song. Oh that song. Saul killed 1000. David killed 10000. Wow. Now you must understand what revelation is in it. Catalyst. The catalyst. He killed one guy. But was given credit for 10000 guys. He killed one guy that was equal to 10000 guys. And so now Saul while he's listening to this because he he has the fear of man because he was appointed by man anointed by god different i hope you understood that you can be appointed by man and you'll be disappointed by man but when you're anointed by god you can never be disappointed by man and so now because he's appointed by man he allows anger see he employs anger he employs jealousy envy to come into him and the bible says the very next day a spirit a tormenting spirit rushed upon Saul you see every time he employs emotions that are negative he opens a door for evil spirits to come but what if you and i understand that we can employ the fruit of god's spirit the divine emotions of god when we employ love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self control that one too when we employ these emotions ladies and gentlemen evil spirits are not attracted to us but we we have the perfume of christ that is beginning to spread this the atmosphere around us is full of christ the smells of jesus the smells of the word of god the smells of the divine will of god and listen all of creation including the angels including the the holy spirit everybody begins to come attracted to you now only because you are choosing to employ or engage with or energize god's will with God's emotions. See, you and I are catalysts, ladies and gentlemen. We're catalysts for change in the world, for transformation in the world. But it begins with us. It begins with you and I being transformed into the image and likeness of God according to the will of God. When you and I understand that our spiritual quotient needs to be high as God's quotient intelligence is high, then we'll understand that the will of God is the divine intelligence of God. And when we begin to receive that divine intelligence in, in, into our into our minds we renew our minds with it and the, we we make a choice to obey the word of God in our life that's when we begin to we begin to add emotion to it see a lot of people 
obey God's word without any emotion. But I'm talking about not emotion as in like smile and be happy. I'm talking about adding God's emotions to God's word, to God's will. See the the divine intelligence and the divine emotions, they go hand in hand together. You know, the the combination of these two alchemizes into making you spiritually quotient. It transforms you into Christ. See because Christ is divine, it has divine intelligence, is divine intelligence and he has the emotions of God together and this combination together causes you to become a catalyst for transformation, kingdom transformation in the world. So today church, I just want to bless you with this word. I just want to declare over you that as you listen to this word again, as you begin to embrace this revelation that you will not feel condemned, you will not feel left out. You will not feel like you are like what is going to happen to my life? God is God your back. God, God, God's got a perfect will for your life. His will is your safety net. His will is the only option in our life. When you need to make a decision, don't run to the world. Don't run to the world's definition of you. Don't run to your qualities. Don't run to your qualifications. Run to his. Run to his qualification. Run to what he has done. Run to what his strengths are. Run to what his courage is, his boldness, his abilities. Run to him and say, God, how are you going to do this in my life? I just want to perform your will. I just want to experience your will being fulfilled in my life. And when you do that, now all of creation, you don't even have to try hard. All of creation starts getting blessed. Everything around your company begins to get blessed. Your children begin to get blessed. Your family, your church begins to get blessed. The economy gets blessed. You don't have to keep praying, bless the economy, bless the economy. Now it's time. I've given you the key now. Be the blessing of the economy. And so today, church, I just want to bless you with this word. I want to encourage you to listen to it again. I know I was communicating really fast, but I'm excited about this word. I'm excited for our church to experience this blessing in their life, in your life. And so today, church, I just bless you. We love you. Right now, I just release the love of God over you. Right now, if I feel only nothing but love in my heart for you. I, we, Kelsey and I love you with an everlasting love. And we reveal this word, this nature of Christ to you in this word. And we just declare over you that as you receive this divine intelligence and the, the emotional intelligence of God, the divine emotions of God, as you begin to alchemize it, as you begin to apply it in your life, you will begin to witness the greatest transformation around you that you have ever seen. So we bless you, we love you, and we declare long life and abundant life over you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you.